Hey, commuter. Well, great news. We've got less banter this week. That's right. We're going to launch right into introducing the guest. Now, you might be wondering, is this just a new format to the show? Well, no. The other two hosts just didn't show up. Well, at least not until the end. And don't worry, Peter and Phil are just fine. They're both super busy, but that didn't stop us from making fun of them. Enjoy. All right. Well, you know, ladies and gentlemen, this is a first. I'm on the podcast by myself, practically. I mean, my guest is here, but the other two idiots are not here. Now, Peter, I understand he has a legit excuse, but Phil is nowhere to be found. Now, I'll feel bad if he got like a speeding ticket or something. No, actually, I won't. No, 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 no. We're not going to feel bad. No, no, no. No. We're just going to have fuel to that fire. And yeah, exactly. I, I, you know, so this is this is truly groundbreaking. In fact, that the ratings may just skyrocket or plummet. I can do both for you, literally. I mean, and okay, so you're wondering, listener, commuter, we call him a commuter, by the way, we commuter, and there's only six of you, we know that, but all well, six of you. My, my golden retriever will probably listen to this. So, so now you s- have six and a golden retriever. And go, I'm sure we'll lose someone, though, so we might be five in the, tr- in the retriever, but that's fine. We'll take it. No complaints. And here's the thing. We're, I'm going to do the introduction as if Phil and Peter are here, because let's face it, they wouldn't understand it anyway. But I worked hard on this, so I'm reading it for your enjoyment, listener, commuter. Okay. Here we go. Be- well, before we do that, Chris, before yeah. and they know who I am, and it won't matter, because again, it's my, just my golden retriever. We're, this is just an audio podcast, correct? This is true, yes. Okay, so a couple things I want to paint for the audience is, number one, when I first came on, uh, we're recording this on a Friday night at 7 p.m., and Chris was practicing his tuba. And when I asked what you do, he said, this is my tuba time. And I said, Friday night is your tuba time. You are a sad and pathetic individual. And the second thing, to paint this auditory picture, before you do the introduction, I just want to say, you look good in a thong, dude. And to be honest, it's clear you don't skip leg day. I'm just going to leave that for the audience, okay? The six people, picture him in his thong, and the boy's got some glutes. That's all I'm going to say. Anyway, Chris, you're about to read something. Oh. This makes this harder. Okay, here we go. Oh, introducing a truly extraordinary individual whose oh, journey I'm spectacular, unspectacular, no, extraordinary. I'm spectacular. Can we edit this as we go through it? Yes, absolutely. So let's change. Let's you, you change give- the word extraordinary to spectacular and wildly handsome. Okay, uh, introducing a truly extraordinary, or spectacular, and wildly handsome individual whose journey has been marked by excellence passion, and a dedication to shaping the leaders of tomorrow. That's nice, isn't it? And a short stint in a federal penitentiary. Excellent. I didn't have that part. Okay. He is a distinguished educator and musician, embarking on his remarkable path with a Bachelor of of Music Education in the fall of what year? Okay. Well, first of all, I'm a drummer, so I just colored my way through college, to be really clear, to say I actually got a degree and... And and no one who's ever seen me teach thought I was extraordinary, especially my students. So, you know, we can edit those two words out. Anything okay. else we need to go through on that edit process? No, uh, so far, okay. Did they ever give you a single clave and just said, there you go? <laughs> okay. 
No, went on. They, gave me, they gave me a tambourine, but I'm pretty sure they got it from the toy aisle at Target, and they took out all the metal things, the metal, so it yeah. didn't make any noise, yeah. and they told me it was, an, it was a tambourine for only smart people, that it was a savant arene. And so I was honored to be playing the savant arene. But you asked, what side do I hit? Okay. And then he went on to complete his master's in secondary education administration, honing his expertise in the realm Who of education. Who cares about any of this crap? Let's, can't we just pick on Phil? We, can't we just go right to... By the way, if uh, auditory, you, for those of you on the thing, you can't see, but if you look at Chris's background, it's like full of, of, of books and art. And if you look at mine, my son walked in, it's got all my stuff on the wall, and he goes, it's your homage to yourself. And frankly, it's sad and pathetic, Dad. He literally just told me that the other day, and I kind of looked at him, and I'm like, he's got it. I, I always looked at it as just the things I've been involved in, but he's right. It's kind of like a, a self-aggrandizing, you know, piece of crap wall of stuff. It's, so you're clearly learned, and I'm clearly an egomaniacal bastard, is what I, I am. Well, so, okay. I don't know. I have Baby Yoda behind me, so I don't know what that but, says. Well, I think practicing tuba on Friday night says it all. I don't That's know that point. we need much more. That's a good point. Um, hey, and but again, since- the glutes. Dude, you never skip a leg day. <laughs> no, I didn't. No, it's true. It's true. Um, abs of steel. Also, hey, but let's talk about the hammer behind you. What's the deal with the hammer? Oh, well, that's a great story. So um, it's a great story for any teacher listening. I talk about when you get burned out, the key, believe it or not, is to add more fuel to the fire. It's to do more work. But our profession, it's so vertical. Like, if you're a really good teacher, you know, if you're like, think about this. So if you're good at something, which you're not, Chris, but you're better than Phil, and we can agree on that at least. And so, if you were good, let's say you're an you were uh, an assistant teller at a a banker, and so um, you know, if you're assistant telling, you were good, you'd probably become a teller, and if you were good teller, you'd probably become a head teller. If you were a good head teller, you'd be assistant bank manager. If you're assistant bank manager, you'd be bank manager. If you you move up to associate VP of company, you get the point. Yeah, it's a vertical ladder. Yes. In teaching, if you're really good at job, and I mean really good at your job, you get to rot there for the rest of your life. That's pretty much what you do. You're like a corpse just decomposing, ever, never stopping, and you end up just, you know, holding a saxophone at some point, you know, wishing you were dead. And so what I always said was the key to anyone who's ever made the 30-year haul is that they didn't grow vertically, they growed horizontally. And so it's about finding things to do that aren't in your classroom and aren't music relating, whether it's you're on an MEA board or you're on the BOTA board or you judge or you gig or whatever you do. But for me, like, I, I like aesthetics and things. So I joined the construction committee and this was a 60 year old high school. And it, how do we fix this? And how do we fix this? And then it became to a remodel and I got involved into it more. And I was like, okay, let's look about traffic flow and ergonomics and airflow. And, and I got so good at it when I became an assistant principal, they handed me the blueprints and said, you're in charge of renovating the high school now. And at that time, it was 1999. It was, a, it was an $18 million renovation. It was massive. And then when I moved to my new school, they were just starting their renovation process. And so that's the a signif- one of four plots that signify the completion of the $18 million renovation at uh, Tempe High School. And I loved I wanted to do my doctorate in school construction. The ambient, by the way, ambient learning temperature for optimal learning is 71.8 degrees. There's a school in California that there was a fire uh, and a poultry plant. And uh, it was, uh, let's just say it was grilled chicken aplenty. Let's just put it that way. And so, <laughs> oh my God. Like, Golden that plump. Was no, Wait, that was funny. Pause for sponsorship. Golden <laughs> yeah, plump. Exactly. And okay, we're back. Okay, go ahead. So anyway, uh, after the the sale on, the fire sale on uh, a grilled chicken, um, the court ordered them to replace air filters for everything within like 40 miles because of the soot in the air. 
And there was a 22% rise in test scores in a local elementary school because they changed the air filters. Clean air. And so, like, I wanted to do my doctorate in this stuff, but they couldn't find anyone to advise me. And so I ended up uh, deciding I didn't want to do admin anymore, and I walked away from it all. But that hammer is how teachers keep from being burnt out. You find a new fire by not growing vertically, because that doesn't happen in our profession. You know, they don't make a head teacher, the VP of teacher technology. You know, you have to grow horizontally. You have to find something inside the ecosphere of your school or inside the ecosphere of music education that's lateral. That's a growth. And if you look at, I challenge all my listeners um, to first um, to send a nasty note for Phil uh, to, for ditching us. And let's be clear, that's what I challenge uh, leaders first, uh, listeners first. My golden, my golden retriever will be pooping in your yard, Phil. Uh, let me just be really clear about yeah, that. Just send it and to him. The, you know, the second thing is, though, is to anytime you get an email from a, a veteran teacher, 20, 25 years, look at their signatory. It'll say NCBF, Solo and Ensemble Coordinator, State Board Member, uh, AZMEA. You see it in their email signatures. And anyone who's been doing it more than 20 years, it's there. And that's what keeps them there. And I'm not sure people know that. People are like, you know, this always, can I, can I just vamp here, Chris? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, first of all, Phil... I'm the best guest you never had. Just to be clear about that, you would have loved meeting me, but uh, that wasn't meant to be. So I get to focus all my attention on Chris's glutes. But I'm turning. Um, when we're talking about this thing, you know, that burnout has become this, it, it's like a scarlet, the red scarlet letter, and it's not, it's a badge of honor. It means you were on fire. We weren't meant to do one thing for 30 years. And, you know, I go and do these MEAs and, and people are like, oh, I just couldn't add one more thing. And I'm like, bullcrap, bullcrap. It's not about adding one more thing. It's about no one ever rekindles a fire by taking wood off the fire. They're very confused about the principles about how fire works. If you want to rebuild the fire, the passion, you put wood onto the fire. And so, yeah. the, but we have to remember the wood, that fuel has got to come from a different space and place because, yeah. and, and the way it works, okay, I'm, now I'm just really going to go deep on this for about 10 more seconds and then we'll get out the complete works of Shakespeare and the original Latin and we'll read to the listeners for a while. Perfect. But if you think about it, if you, if you really think about it, um, that this thing that, that we're looking at and, and people don't understand that burnout is a sign of a job well done. Burnout is a sign that you were once on fire. And I'm let, less interested in your pedagogy and I'm more interested in your passion. And you're a rare individual, and Chris, you're one of these people that has both. But if I, if I have to choose between pedagogy and passion, I'm going to take passion every time. And so when you lose that passion, the first thing to realize is that's a natural evolutional thing. Like, because the way I look at it is when you start a job, year one to year five, it's all consuming. It's a hundred percent. And if you could, listeners could see this, you would see this incredible graphic that I've created. Hint, there's no graphic, but you no, can't see it. So I, I can just lie like we made one. So right. the incredible graphic, it, that first five years, it takes a hundred percent of your energy. But as you get better, that at year five, like to do the same job only takes 80% of your energy. By year seven, it's 70%. By, and you think about 10% a year. So to me, burnout happens in the dead space. It's in the space that we create by being effective at our job. And we feel like we've lost something. We feel like we're, we've died in a place because we have. Because we got better. We, we let ignorance and stupidity die. We let 
efficiency and effectiveness win. We were able to do more in less time. So the question becomes, if you leave that void, that void will fill itself and you will feel empty. But if you fill that void with something new that excites you the way it did in years one through five of teaching, it will not only help that space and place that you are there, school construction for me, but it will also make you a better teacher because it will make you realize that you're re-engaged and rekindled and repassionate about the teaching part. So fill the space and the place that naturally occurs after year five. And a good way to think about it is 10% a year. So for year 10, 50% of your job is voided now because you've become good at it. Make sense? It does. And, and it's a good message really for Phil and Peter. I mean, there's a lot of void between oh. the two of them, I mean, it's are they aren't they at zero? Isn't it all void at this point? It's it's a you said the word yeah. I I mean, and I, you keep that that idea of the chicken. I, I just I think maybe that's a solution for both of them. I mean, they should look into the barbecue chicken thing. You know, I mean, it would be impeccable. Well, I know where they can get some grilled chicken really cheap. It's in I, a burnt down poultry. That plant. burnt down poultry. <laughs> no, I I love that, it, and that's what you do so well. You help frame these concepts to help it make sense to us, so we understand a lot of this too. And hey, one of these I got to bring this up because I thought it was fantastic. I read it the other day. You've got a blog, and people yes. can people can sign up for this blog, right? If that's what they tell me. Okay, and and you've got a couple of people reading this thing, and I, the other day you you sent this thing out about Taylor Swift, and it just caught me just the right way. I'm a reader, commuter. I, I'm going to read this to you, just not all of it. it. It's it's a little, it's got some girth to it, but I'm going to read this to you. It says, "You're talking about your? Are we talking about your glutes again?" Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Supple. Okay. Um, <laughs> it says here Taylor Swift is writing for the final American performance in her era's tour. And what an epic tour it has been. Recent reports have Taylor's tour at the largest grossing, highest attended, and most complex tour ever undertaken. It uses nearly 500 employees and 90 semi-trucks and will be seen live by over 3 million people. That's probably higher now even. More on, yeah. more on the money next week. This week, I want to focus on the logistics. Can you even fathom what planning, building, and operating a tour like this entails? And, you know, <laughs> you go on to kind of, you go on to say, you know, like, she's doing fine. You know, don't feel too bad for her. She's getting by. Just to be She's clear. getting by, I think is what you said. Yes. But, but then you bring it to a point where you're saying, but you as the educator, you as the band director, and, and I mean, we all have so much capacity that we have to do when we think about just the logistics of setting up the room, for God's sakes. People used to come and say, what do you do? I'm like, I move chairs. I move right. chairs and I move stands. And that's just like one just, but you just, you breathe, you breathe life into this thing. You know what I mean? Have you gotten feedback from that from others? And uh, My dog, my dog peed on my lawn. Uh, okay. So that's always a good sign. And that's so other than that, my mom thought it was fabulous. She never read it, but she tells me every blog I do is, is she says I poop gold. So I, I'm willing to believe her on that. Um, you know, the thing about that, it, what's, let me frame, first of all, that started as a blog article um, in April of last year because she launched the tour in Glendale. Yeah, And yeah, there was yeah. a newspaper article. I went, oh, that, that would be an interesting blog, but I'm in Teacher Appreciation Week and then I'm in year wind down in May. I'm going to pocket it. Yeah. So in August, I came back to it. And when I wrote it, I'm like, this thing's getting too long. So it's got to be a two-part series. So oh. I went from logistics to logistics and money. 
And then I was like, let me help people with business stuff. Let me write a, um, let me write tips and tricks for non-instructional. And then I thought, well, who am I? Like, to, I, like, I don't even have a cool blog, like, you know, artless. So I, who am I to write anything? You know, and obviously I'm not important enough for Peter or Phil to show up. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm not. So I thought, let me reach out to my, my readers. And again, my dog thought this was fabulous. And my mother said, it's the best comic strip I've ever written, but I don't write comic strips. And so right. she just doesn't read anything. Like but the so, visual. I ended up getting hundreds, and I mean hundreds of suggestions. And I thought, you are such a fool, Scott. Look at the beast you just created. Now you have to read all these, sort all these. And then I was like, I'll just write it, and it'll be this great blog for Wednesday. And I looked at it, I'm like, no, this is a five-day event. Like, it was this one little kernel that <laughs> consumed a month of my life. And, you know, I got like two emails. So it was definitely worthwhile uh, doing um, – you know, Taylor Swift was not one of the emails. I just want to be clear about that. No, but no. so here's what I will tell you, Chris. Um, and I'll be frank. I've noticed post-COVID the greatest, the greatest obstacle I'm observing anecdotally is that teachers' ability or willingness to manage anything outside of the instruction. And I believe, and, and let's be clear, I'm not criticizing any teacher. When I start, I start thinking about this, like the instructional day hasn't changed. I have the same amount of minutes, same amount of days. When I started teaching, I was on the cusp of staff. You had one drum instructor, one color guard instructor. Like I was managing two people and some bus requests, you know, and I wrote the drill and I picked out whatever Hal Leonard said was a hot trend that year. <laughs> and I just listened, you know, to Rangers publishers because I like Jay Dawson's voice. And so, <laughs> you know, to be clear, um, hey, this is Jay Dawson. We got some hot new hips, tips and hips for you. We're going to play this one right off the bat. Your kids are going to love this and it'll have everyone dancing in the stands. Hi, everybody. Jay Dawson. And I'd like to talk to you a little bit about my new fanfare. <laughs> so anyway, so my that point good. in saying that is like, now you're managing a staff of 15. You've added Winter Guard. You've added Indoor Drumline. You've got an equipment budget that is unbelievably excessive. You're, you're managing an inventory of, of, of literally over a million dollars. You Square footage-wise, you have the largest facility on campus. Then you have the auditorium. The football team has 52 jerseys, and by God, they've got an equipment manager. You've got 148 uniforms and 600 instruments. You get Excel, but you have to pay for it. You know, it's $11 a month out of your paycheck. It's like, I, but I have seen a significant drop-off, and I mean significant drop-off in People responding to emails, filling out paperwork, showing up to events. Like, and I think it's because like the job keeps growing, you know, but the baseline of time. And again, it's that gap. And yes, Taylor Swift's tour is just, she's brilliant. She gave a hundred thousand and she's generous. She gave a hundred thousand dollar bonus to every truck driver. And the reason there's 99 is it's 50 per tour. It's leapfrogging itself, building in one city while they're performing in another. And, and the logistics, like how do you gas up 50 semis? Yeah. Cause I stop to fill up my tank and my kids pee and I'm there 35 minutes, <laughs> you know, a, a semi 50 of them. They have to bring a gas service to them in every city. And yeah. like, I just started, how do you feed them? How do you have fresh food? And, 
my point though is like scale it back. Do we have equipment trucks, semis? Yes. Do we travel? Yes. Do we have staff? Yes. Payroll? Yes. Evaluations? Yes. Do we have to rehearse the choreography? Yes. Do we have to manage the stage and the props? Yes. The costumes? Yeah. Like it's a microcosm of the same thing with zero help. Zero help. And what I have found in general, there's three groups of people. People who thrive in that world, I was one. I I saw it as puzzle building, problem solving. Like I actually liked filling out bus requests. It was a check mark. I could fill off and release my endorphins. Like, I mean, it's only one step above practicing tube on Friday night, but it is a significant step above that. So there's the people, there's the people who like it or thrive in that environment. I know how to fundraise. I know how to market and do social media. There's the people who do it, but don't do it great and tolerate it. They do it because it's required of them. And then there's people who just don't do it. They just don't fill out the request and they don't respond to an email. And I think, to be very frank with you, as much as it's time and demand driven, I think it's personality driven. Yeah. I, I just think there are people who, um, who that, you know, they may be, it's just like composition. I don't have a mind to write anything. I don't think of curricula the way you do. I don't have that gift, but I have a gift of, I can kind of see my business. My, and I did this years ago. I, I, I charted my marching band as a business and I paid my kids an hourly rate of minimum wage, paid my section leaders $5 above that for mid-level managers, paid the staff uh, $5 above that is beginning um, um, managers. And then I listed my salary and I called my local chamber of commerce and my marching band was the third largest business in my city. (laughs) And I didn't include facilities, um, facilities, um, uh, uniforms, equipment, just staff. I was the behind, um, Arizona state university and Motorola, my marching band and my marching band grew significantly after that. I was the third largest employee. That's the type of business that we're running. Like, and that's the type of thing that I think is starting to break people. I think it's the yeah. non-instructional stuff. And I'm seeing evidence of it in emails, in lag times, in follow through. And, and so I think, and I think that COVID like told people good or bad, like stop at some point. And they're saying, listen, I'm not going to sacrifice teaching kids, but everything else that can take a back seat and I'm going home. And that's something to respect, but it's also a problem to be solved. Yeah. <clears throat> no, I, I agree with, with all that. I mean, it's the scope of the work and, you know, look, the kids are different too. I mean, 25 yes. years ago, it just, you know, there, it's just a complex world. The world is, is, a, is more complex. You know, a, a good friend of mine, Peter Gamwell says that all the time. He's just like the, we're in a state of complexity. I mean, like it's a lot of moving things right now that it's hard to put our, th- our thumb on. Um, and so let we, me, we have to build that capacity though with teachers it, so that they can handle all this. So, and so I got to tell you, I was in a, in a, in a, my parents have a cabin up North and, and it's what you would expect of the woods in terms of its level of, you know, no, no wait, wait, uh, it, Northern what Arizona? Are we talking? Yes. Yeah. Wisconsin. Oh, well, I'm it, just saying. No, nobody goes to Wisconsin but idiots and cows. I mean, come on. Oh, that's not true. <laughs> oh, now There's we've a... hit a nerve. We're not picking on Phil. We're not picking on Peter. And all of a sudden, so I, I There's a lot of glue. Illinois people that come up here. I'm just saying. They're, they're, I pick on your glutes. You're all about that. But we talk. Packers. So here's the thing. Fine. So I was in these, 
I, I got to paint the picture. This is a redneck bar. It's four o'clock because that's when they eat dinner. And they come in and I swear to goodness, and this isn't to be critical, but to set the picture, they both got their oxygen tanks, right? <laughs> and they hunker down at the bar. And this guy just starts going off on kids today and how teachers and this. And I let it go for about 15 seconds. And I about lost my mind on him. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, okay, okay. He goes, well, I'm just sick and tired of paying, because I mentioned my son's in college. I'm sick and tired of paying for these kids' college education. I said, so just be really clear. Um, first of all, um, you can't get out of college debt, so you're not bailing out any students. Only one thing supersedes college debt. It's tax. Um, it's, it's a tax problem with the IRS. So they're going to pay it. It's a question of just when. And number two is um, the college education has tripled in the last 12 years, and we haven't tripled up the subsidies or the cost building. Um, number three is, um, just to be clear, um, you know, colleges outpace what the average person makes outside of college. So they're forced to take loans, whether you like or not. And just, you know, just, I'm going to throw this out there. You're tired of paying for kids college, which you're not. I'm tired of paying for your social security, old man. I'm done. I am done. So why don't you just take that check and pay for yourself? Kids today, nice of you to join us, Phil, you cost right in the middle of a rant. And if you haven't noticed, um, Chris is wearing a thong and he never skips a leg day. I'm telling you, the glutes are just amazing to me. But let me be clear. And I, I told him, I said, highest college graduate ever in 2018, highest SAT scores ever in 2019, highest ACT scores, more kids are going to college ever before, more kids are graduating from college, more people of color graduating from college. We have a greater education. That's right. I said, so just to be clear, more kids are graduating from high school. My son graduated with 15 college credits. So just to be clear, I love the game you're playing because I know that your grandparents, God, they thought you had it easy. Dad, you had that motor car thingy and they had a horse. Now they had it easy because they didn't poop in a stall outside. Now the group before them had it easy. I said, so when you're done just passing the buck, let me be really clear to you. Kids are better than ever before and old people are contributing less than ever before. So fight me on that with your air tank. Yeah, so he, he said, he literally looked at me, he goes, so what you're saying is kids are pretty great. I go, they're freaking amazing. And <laughs> And while you're bashing on teachers, I go, that's really fantastic. If you could just give me the name of someone you personally think does a poor job. No, no, no I don't want hyperbole. I just want the name. And, you know, when you saw him teach last. Yeah, you got nothing. So why don't you spend less time watching the news channel and surfing social media? And why don't you start looking for the good in the world? And the, everything we know about the good in the world is kids and music. Yeah. It's just that simple. Yeah, I thought his comeback might be, so you think the chicken? So, yeah. I mean, no, I, I completely agree with you, Scott. It, it, we've got to look at assets. We've got to look at what things are going well and build, build off of that. You know, and you're out visiting. How many? Are you like 100 schools a year? Yeah, yeah, that's about, that's about right. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable how much travel you're doing. And so when you're out there, though, are you getting a chance to kind of see – I mean, are we coming back from, from COVID? Are you seeing some things starting to regenerate here a little bit? It depends on the metric you're looking for. Okay. And so let me explain that. Um, there's two different metrics. There's learning loss and there's enrollment. Those are the two biggies. So learning loss, you know, depending on um, whether you believed in science or didn't, determined the level of intervention. The level of intervention determined the level of learning loss. So let me give you two examples. Northern California was the extreme of reaction. And Texas was the extreme of inaction. I'm not saying either's right or wrong. I'm just saying those are the two extremes. What we learned at the start of the pandemic was learning loss was at about 28%. And we can measure that conveniently by levels of music. 
if you drop a half grade, that's 10%. I mean, you can say there's six grades of music, but only college works for grade six or extreme wind ensemble. So you take five grades of music and you realize that each one's worth 20%. So if you went from a grade three and a half to grade three post-pandemic, your learning law, we tracked learning loss to be um, 28% in the suburban rural areas and 18% in the uh, the, I'm sorry, in the rural and, and, and urban areas and 18% in the suburban and uh, affluent areas. So we watched that slowly drop. And what we're seeing now is, is the remnants of that. But before I talk about that, let me go back and now let's talk about enrollment. So enrollment uh, was down and it was anywhere from 100% they closed a music program or 50%. We only meet every other day outside or whatever it is. But by the time we returned to normal, it was down right around um, 19%. And now it varied widely between elementary school, middle school, high school, choir band, orchestra. But we're going to say 19% was the national average. The extreme being Northern California, closer to 28%. Texas was about 8 to 11%, depending on where you were in Texas. So we've halved it every year. So 19, uh, two years ago, became 8 became roughly three to 4% enrollment loss this year pre-pandemic. And in the State of Music Education Survey, which comes out in about two weeks, I'm predicting we'll be back whole in 2025 in most areas. Now, understanding the impact, educationally speaking and enrollment speaking, was harder on smaller rural schools. So if you're an affluent, let's say, really competitive marching band. You went from 100 or you went from 220 kids to 170. Okay, that's recoverable. You didn't lose momentum. A little bit of speed maybe. If you were 50 and you went to 10, boy that's hard to build from 10. Yep. I mean yep. convincing a kid to join your program when there's only 10 kids in it. And yep. so the math says we'll be back next year, we're down about th- but what I would tell you in some areas we're up pre-pandemic. Um, and some areas were way down and they're skewing each other. Yeah. Um, but the thing to know, there's two things that are really important to note. Number one is that just because there's no pandemic doesn't mean the impact has stopped. So what we're seeing is I called the pandemic an earthquake. Chris, here's it. No, let's test Phil because Phil joined us. Phil, and you know, you're wearing a swoosh, so I'm assuming you're not Phil Knight. But if you are, um, can I have some money? Thank you. So, Phil, what comes after every earthquake? Phil's no. mic doesn't work, so we can no, assume his answer was incorrect. Is the word strawberry is what I read his lips to be. But he no. plays trombone, right? So I'm probably pretty close to the answer. I thought he said glute, but that's <laughs> that's fine. Never skip a leg day is what I heard. All right, Never Phil, sk- what comes after every earthquake? Can't hear. Yeah, I know. I think no. maybe that was chicken. I don't know. I think he said you're wildly attractive, Scott. I, I no, I'm pretty sure he didn't say that. Okay, no. so Chris, let's turn it to you. Oh, he left. I, I offended <laughs> he him so greatly. Listeners, Phil just left the room. We offended him so deeply. Um, I'm going to take that as a compliment. You're a I feather so. in my cap. I think yeah. so. He'll, right, he'll what, come back. What, Chris, he's like a what rash. What comes after every earthquake? A tsunami. Aftershocks, oh, aftershocks. There, that's it. There you go. I know. Aftershocks. I so be clever. the thing is, what we didn't see is the aftershock of a kid who wasn't. The aftershock of a kid who wasn't the pandemic is still there. The yeah. ripple effect of in third grade, I didn't go to school for a year and I stopped learning. My parents stopped caring about extracurricular activities because they re- ex- realized that life existed without them or they lost their job and we can't. Af- so the point is, there are two points I want to make. Number one, even though the, or even though that the, the earthquake is gone, the aftershocks are still there. And the second point is the tsunami that followed 
the, the earthquake is now in high school and it's all four years. If you're a high school teacher, instructionally speaking and enrollment, this should be your bottom. Because when you first came back, you had two, a junior and senior class that were engines and a freshman sophomore that were pretty impacted. Like they lost a significant, if, if you played six years and then sat out six months, you're okay. If you played six months and sat out six months, you're back to basics. So you, two years ago, when we're kind of fully back, your middle school kids were impacted. And so you had two engines, kids that knew what they were doing and kids that didn't equal. Last year was three, three cars full of cargo and one engine. This year is nothing but carbo, carbo, car, car, carbo, you know, Hi. yeah, yeah car, uh, you know, the, 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 the ones that carry, you know, all the stuff. Yeah. And so there's no engines. And so they're well-intentioned. They're great kids, but musically and numbers, this is bottom. And I only share that with you because when I tell teachers, they're always like this, well, that explains it. No, no one's ever explained it like that. And they, they were quietly feeling like they were failing when this is the natural evolution. And that every day from the first day of band camp or the first day of school with your orchestra or choir, every day gets better from here on forward. You've now gotten through the decline and you're starting the climb out if you're a high school teacher. I love that. I love that. Well, Phil's just looking for an engine. How are you doing, Phil? Um, aftershock. Yeah. Good <laughs> Damn it, like, the answer was glute, Phil. Glute. It was. Uh, aftershock tsunami recovery. There we go. That's where we are. And, and that's where we are. And, you know, it's. I just think it's important people know you're not alone. Yeah. Like, whether you're thriving or struggling, you're not alone. There's someone out there. There's a doppelganger for you somewhere in a classroom experiencing what you're experiencing. You're never alone. Yeah. No, I love Except that. Except for Chris, who practices his tube on Friday night, so he's clearly alone. <laughs> I was practicing, Phil. And it was going he, like it usually does. What's it like to be alone? <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't know, Chris. <laughs> well, tuba players were often alone. We're looking for friends. Yeah. Trombones, they tend to hang out together. Um, you know, okay, so... Let me ask you this. So Scott, Phil, Phil, Scott, you're meeting. Okay. Yeah, so no. go ahead, Chris. And then okay, I'll ask so, my question. Okay. I, my, my next question though, for you, Scott, is this, and, and that is you're involved in, in lots of different projects. I mean, be part of the music is just fantastic. It's amazing. The music foundations, obviously your leadership, uh, uh books and so on. I mean, all of that is, is fantastic. And then, now you're you're in you know you're looking at other things that we're doing here with uh, the uh, with your work with the advocacy and and so on director of advocacy and 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 so on with music and arts, um, you know talk about what are you most excited about? What's got you getting up in the morning, ready to tackle the next thing? It's music yeah. foundations because um, it's the best work of my career, and there's so much in there that isn't even readily apparent that. Bob Sheldon and I and the team put together, and I wish more people, um, I wish more people were aware of it, and I wish more people were looking at it because I think it's the future of music education. You know, infusing. Because you know, the thing is, high school teacher, it's not, it's structured in its in its um, in its existence, but it's not structured in its curriculum. In other words, I have a drum major, I have a core master, I have an attendance person, I have a clarinet sectionally. Like we have formalized and structured. Uh, social emotional growth and leadership training, personal development. We structured it. It's there. And um, we don't have a structured curricula, a scope and a sequence, but 
it's it's ingrained in the art form and it's for survival because you can't survive without that. In middle school, as an offshoot of high school and having a similar workload, it's semi-structured. There's usually a first chair player and there's an orchestra president and there's no scope and sequence, but there's a little bit of structure and it is embedded and infused. There's none in elementary school. And so what we did when we built this is we really had a couple goals in mind. Number one is increase music fluency. Because if we increase music fluency, then kids are successful quicker and they don't want to quit. That was goal number one. Most people don't realize it wasn't social emotional learning. It was from my own experiences watching my kids go through music. So number one, increase music fluency. And it's hidden in there in ways you can't even imagine. So there's, it, by the time you get to each chapter, we add a line. So A, B, C, D, they're different levels of difficulty. So the all-state tuba player can play line D while the beginning flute player. So the beginners aren't getting frustrated and the, uh, the advanced kids aren't getting bored. But then you take those and every exercise can be a chamber ensemble. They can choose their own tempo, their own articulation, their own lyrics. So they start to become arrangers. Then we teach improv. And then there's a conduct, like it's next level in music fluency. And most people wouldn't realize it until someone pointed out. Second is we wanted to structure the social emotional learning. We wanted to make no mistake about it. We wanted to be intentional and sequential. And we did that. And it starts with, you know, uh, name your instrument and that's embedding things in. And, and it ends with, you know, what are five behaviors on the, on the elementary school playground that you could change that would make your school a better school? It ends with, here's a discussion item for the dinner table and mom has to sign off. And it talks about who is your role model and why. It's not even music related. By the way, that's a practice record. We just reinvented it. But then the third part is we buried advocacy in there. And like, like we don't practice records are now viewed not from skill set development, but from personal development. So when you go home, it says, you know, play this sonata for your dog. Well, that's getting a kid to practice, but made it fun because it's for the dog. Now take a video and send it to your director. And we did, here's a discussion item for, you know, uh, for dinner table tonight. And the parents have to sign it. Like I said, is who had it tougher, your mom's generation or yours? And like, so now parents are going, whoa, wait a minute, you're, you're learning this stuff in band? And then every quarter they fill out a, a development level. Here's where I am. And they get to see their growth on a linear scale as a person and as a musician. So it's skill development, literacy. It's personal development and um, in terms of, and it's structured and sequential, but it's also advocacy, but it's real advocacy because it's rooted in the child because that's all the parent care, cares about. They don't care about stats. They don't care about, they don't care about the latest website because the only people who cares about that crap are people who already love music. You're preaching to the converted. I need to take the parent who doesn't know anything about music and go, you're learning about how to be a better human being while playing the trombone? Well, I want to make sure you're in that teacher's class again next year. And so it was really rooted in those three things. And you hang there for one second, because I want to show you something. But it's super clever. I mean, like how intentional this was. And your readers he, can't see it. But I uh, take uh, the book. Computer, he, he just walked to his bookshelf. I'm just saying, it, it yeah. next to the hammer. Filled with trophies of myself. Affirmations. Yeah, it, Anytime I don't feel like I'm a special human being, I just look at it. just turns around. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> you look at the book, like cool, every unit's a chapter. Makes sense? Yeah, yeah. Tell me if you can see. Tell me if you can see that. Oh yeah, right. Red, orange, Rainbow. yellow, blue, indigo, violet. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Inclusivity. 
Like, there's so much that's hidden in this book. The way we designed our characters, the way we chose our characters. And it's perplexing and frustrating to me because I really think uh, it's the best work of my life. And um, I want more people to know about it. So, that's, you say, what gets me excited in the morning? Um, and what uh, what gets me frustrated at night? It's it's that. I love it. I love um, mom uh, listening. Uh, go out and get that book right now. Yeah. Okay. Sheila and, doesn't have a copy. She doesn't. And, and no, no. I mean, but we'll get you one. We'll send one out to you. But no, I agree. I have I've uh, you know had the opportunity to look at that uh, look at that series, and it is fantastic. It really is, and it's a it's a game changer. And I love what you said though. The best. Some of the best instruction, I will say the best instruction is embedded in the learning. It's not like, wait, we will now do SEL. You know what I mean? That's not, it's not something that you're going to check off a list. It's something that's inherent and authentic and built in, which you do in spades. And here's the best part. And I mean this sincerely. And I feel this way about my leadership books and all this. Like when they're done, there's 180 pages of notes and ideas and thoughts and questions. And here's how I can be better. Wouldn't you love to have that 40 years later? Wouldn't, I would give anything right now to go back and read a memory book from my beginning days of music and go, what did I believe then? What do I believe now? What was important to me then? What was important now? Like, this is going to be worth a... I would give $10,000 to have my thoughts from that age. Like, and so I wish people would do that with all of their content, is make it interactive and immersive so that the lessons can continue after the rest of classroom. Because 93% of students will not play after high school. But wait for this, wait for this. 100% of them will be human. So if we're only teaching music, we're failing 93% of our community. We're serving 7%. But if we're teaching human beings, we're serving every child in a meaningful way. Wow. Oh, yeah, it's great stuff, man. Great stuff. Peter showed up. It's a party now. Now, so, I just want to point out, I'm the only guest who didn't have all three podcasters, so I'm beginning to think it might be me that's yeah. scaring people away, Chris. It, I'm just, I'm pretty sure, and Peter's affirming it. You're, you're pretty scary. I mean, you are, you're pretty scary, yeah, I have to say. <laughs> My job is to, let's see if I can post the lowest numbers for your podcast in the history of the podcast. I told Chris, I got the works of Shakespeare in the original Latin. I'm prepared to go all 12 hours with costume changes. It, it's that would be hard to get the least amount of guests. I've seen the data. We don't have a lot of guests anyway, so it's 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 a race to the bottom, as somebody once said. I think. But he's got his. He said his dog's going to hop in, so I think we oh, got yeah, another dog. dog. Riley yeah. will jump in and, and and just be tickled to death. I love Peter, it, Peter. Good to have you, Phil. You had a thought or a question? Well, did this it, is it, rare? I did. But it would, it would right. force us into a backtrack, and we certainly don't need to do that. But I was wondering, Scott, when people, when teachers reach out to you uh, in the recovery process that you were describing earlier, do they reach out? To, tell me what they uh, question you about. Do they are they uh, frustrated by, uh, for example, the 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 band conductor that goes from fifty to ten, or is it the band conductor that goes from two hundred twenty to one hundred seventy? Do, do they reach out to you about numbers? Is that really what the problem is? Or is it something else that they're asking you about? I'm curious. Well, the, the, initial, um, the initial reach out usually started with WTF, what the hell do I do now? Sure. <laughs> that, that was the original one. The second thing was, why can't I see more of, of, why can't I see more of Chris's glutes? And 
after that usually came, um, uh, my, my program is decimated in every conceivable way. How right. do I build? So the first thing was an immediacy of, I've got to teach a Zoom class in an hour, and I don't know what to do. Sure. So the very first void, the first nine weeks was about filling that void. And it was survival. Like I have a Zoom class in 48 minutes and I don't know how to work my browser. I don't have a microphone. So the first thing that we did is flood the market with curricula. Here's just free lessons. Let's go. We turned everything off paid, turned everything on free and flooded it out. Phase two was, okay, this is for real. Like we ended the school year, everyone was remote. We're not going back or we're going back under very extreme circumstances and I'm missing a ton of kids and we're not going to be able to play at that level. Now, understanding like, and I'm no different, let's be clear, we value ourselves by the size of our audience. Now, let's be clear. Like, I, I'm a great, I'm doing grade six literature. Clearly, I'm a grade six teacher. I got a superior at contest, so clearly I'm a superior teacher. I sent four kids to Allstate. Well, let's be clear. The private lesson teacher did that, but whatever. Boom. You know, <laughs> so the thing is, like, our identities are wrapped up, and rightfully so, in the quality of our product. Because that's the only quantifiable evidence that we have. Now, we know we're making better people. We know, but I can put, you know, we don't say, I lost weight. We say, the scale says I'm down six and a half pounds. I ran three blocks this morning instead of oh, that's two. Well said. We want yeah. data. Performance level and enrollment are two actionable pieces of data. And when we got off the, I don't care what my numbers are and what the group sounds like, I just need curricula for 30 minutes from now. We got into phase two, which was, okay, now I'm actually going to teach classes in a weird way. My kids can't play and my numbers are down and I'm putting on the happy face, but I am in a dark space. Because everything that I valued about myself was tied up into that. And, and I think also I would add to that, I think that, um, the insecurity of teaching in a format that we don't a feel comfortable in, but then also really in music had never even thought about being prepared for. Um, so, and even the reward from with your students is, is yet another thing. Everything you've said is true, but then also that reward of being in that room, making that music together is just not part of what we're even able to do. Yeah. So really quick. Um, I want to point out, if you could see the screen, when Peter joined, a button came on that said, actual recording is higher quality. So just by joining this podcast, he made this a better podcast. It's a higher, the, yeah. the computer has spoken and it says we are now a higher quality podcast. I love Peter Scott. I love Scott. So, so the second thing is, I want to be, I want to be fair about this. Like, I was no better. I went from 100, 200 days a year on the road, 100 events a year on the road to none. And my identity was tied to that. And so I myself don't think Scott didn't have a pity party. It was well attended and it went on for a little while. That's and, why you and, called and me so much. I a good party. God. You know, and then one day, and I will tell you this, one day I woke up and said, oh, my, my new metric is how do I serve teachers now, not kids. And it ended up being maybe the best thing that ever happened to me because I realized my self-worth wasn't tied up to me being on a plane and in front of an audience mm -hmm. that I could serve this profession in a meaningful way, in a way I'd never served. And I found a new part of myself. And so I want to be clear. Number one, I threw the pity party too. I was no better. And that like many teachers, they woke up and went, Oh, well, I got kids in the room. I'll just teach. 
You also woke up saying, I got to work on my glutes. All right, boys, it's time for the speed round. That's right. You got in just in time for the speed Listen, round. Here no we go. Drug. I said that to you early on. No drugs, no, no. speed, no meth, no. Too Nancy bad. says Num- no. Or Number life. one. Doesn't phase me at all anymore. <laughs> if you could have any superpower, but it could only be used for mundane tasks, what would it be? That's speed reading. Love it. What's the weirdest food combination you secretly enjoy? Um, I put uh, um, I put um, uh, hot sauce in. I put um, a Tabasco and ketchup. Yeah, I need good. the heat huh. with the sweet. If I'm going to eat fries, I won't eat them with ketchup. There has to be Tabasco in the ketchup. Heat that's and a, sweet, much like a, myself. That's a shirt. <laughs> if animals could talk, <laughs> if animals could talk. Which one do you think would be the rudest? Um, I think it have to be. I think it have to be a raccoon. Don't call me a raccoon. I mean, they don't no, give that, two. Yeah. I mean, like I, I walked in on one in the woods not that long ago. It was a outside trash, and I went to throw the trash away, and he was sitting on top. And he looked at me, and literally the look in his eyes was, "What the hell are you looking at?" He, I mean, he threw serious shade at me. <laughs> and then when he crossed the road, he was like, "I'm going to take my sweet time, and you can wait for me to cross the road." <laughs> I love it. If you had to survive a zombie apocalypse with only three items from your kitchen, what would they be? Um, alcohol, alcohol, and alcohol. Well, well stated. What's your <laughs> I mean, go-to? You're gonna lose. So I'm, I mean, <laughs> I, why you're gonna die? So die happy. <laughs> I, I don't understand. Like, why fight? Just enjoy your last couple hours. What's your go-to Stick. dance move when no one's watching? Oh, the sprinkler. The classic. <laughs> you got to do the sprinkler. There's a lot of honesty here. This is good. This is good. If you were a professional wrestler, what would your wrestling name and signature move be? Well, I would be Ant-Man uh, for more than one reason. I have the same name and I have the same construct after he's shrunk down. And my, my move would be the flying trombone. And what I would do is I would, I would jump out and I'd slide the slide out, hook them on their neck, and yank them back to first position where I'd slap them upside the head. The flying trombone. I feel like he's thought about these way no, too much. No, that's the, I this was is, like, yeah. Yeah, I've got I a creative it, imagination. Phil I don't have a lot of skills that are valuable in the world, but, you know. Done that today. Well, we only have four more, so hang in there. Oh, no. If, Please make this stop. If you could swap lives with any fictional character for a day, who would it be and why? Uh, anybody who's opposite Jennifer Aniston, and the answer is obvious. Oh, that's well. Yeah, okay. What's <laughs> this? What's the strangest talent you possess that nobody knows about? Um, I can juggle. And that. right now. It, it's too bad they don't have a screen. I'm juggling seven things at once. You are. And one oh, is the hammer. Impressive. It has been impressive, yeah. It, it, it really is. The fact that they're live cats, I mean, I know that's going to make some animal activists upset, but, you know, they weren't harmed in the actual act. Well, then maybe someone would actually write into our program. Uh, they're not going to write in. Don't worry about that. We don't have to worry about that. Just his brother. If you could invent a holiday, what would it celebrate, and how would people celebrate it? No, I want less holidays. I just want to be clear about this. My <laughs> wife celebrates every holiday to the extreme now we have half birthdays half oh, birthdays wow. for our yeah. children by the way for valentine's day my kids get gifts 
I don't know where she learned about Valentine's Day, but my 13-year-old should not be getting a Valentine from his mother. That's just creepy and weird. I think we had to do a few less holidays and just make them longer holidays. Like July 4th should always be five days. Let's just be clear. Labor Day shouldn't be three days. It should be five. Let's take away some of the lesser known holidays and let's really hunker down on the good ones. Like Christmas should be two weeks. Come on. Can we agree on this? Yes, absolutely. I like two week holidays. Touch the nerve. Uh, and last one. If you could have a conversation. Said no touching anything. If you could have a conversation <laughs> with your pet, what's the first thing you'd ask? First of all, I do it every day. And um, we have a running question in this um, household, which is, who do you love the most? And the answer is me. Okay. But the yeah. other three members of this house also share the same answer. So I would want my dog, Riley, to definitively, once and for all, explain to the other three knuckleheads that live in this house that I am her favorite. I love it. I okay. love it. Scott Lang, you are, you are a gem, my friend. Thank okay, you wait. for coming on. Yeah. You no, know, you can't dump me yet. Until, no. what's an okay. email address? No, we're getting you an email. We are going to get some angry listeners here. So, okay. um, uh, um, what if someone wanted to reach out to this podcast? What's the best way to do that? If my golden retriever wants to get in touch with you. Okay, so Phil's email is P A. No, <laughs> I knew he's going to say that. You're going to send it to BTN Music Festival at gmail. Wow, that just rolls off the tongue. That just B rolls right off the tongue. Why don't you say that one more time? You B know, and on. Shh. Show notes. Go to the show notes. There you go. There you go. <laughs> it's hey, it's uh it's beyond. I the challenge notes. every listener to pull over right now, and when you get to school, go to the show notes and send these guys an email and tell them uh, what your favorite part about their podcast is, and maybe just say thanks for doing it because it helps me fill my tank and fill my day. I'm challenging every listener, all three of you, to pull over right now. Get out of your Prius, you know, or whatever eco-friendly thing that you're driving because you're a music teacher, let's be honest, with 17 bumper stickers talking about how you love the world. And send a note to the, the fine gentlemen who do this work for free for you. You get what you pay for and let them know that you at least listen. I, uh, I can even get the host to show up for my podcast. Like that's, I, I, mean, I understand. Hey, but they showed up in the end, which, you know, it's not how you start. It's how you end. Scott, if people want to get in touch with you, how, how can they do that? How can they uh, Oh, you can do it at scottlang.net. That's the gateway. And please sign up for a Be Part of the Music uh, dashboard. It's pretty incredible. And, uh, um, you know, if there's anything I can do to help, uh, consider me your first call. I'm always there to help. So there you go. All right. We love you. Thanks, Scott. Love it. Thank you, Scott. Nice to meet you, Scott. Pleasure, gentlemen. I appreciate all the time and effort that you give to music education. And Chris, go back to practicing your tuba on Friday night. Beyond Artless is sponsored by Beyond the Notes Music Festival. Our mission is to create and provide profound learning and social experiences through music that go beyond the notes. Visit btnmusicfestival.com to learn more. Artless. Artless. Beyond Artless. Artless.